Snake, are you okay? Another incredible episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And, uh, and we wanted to cover a game that's going to be on the upcoming uh, PlayStation Classic, which is sounding less and less like something I need to buy, yet I still will own. Uh, but one of the games on there is the original Metal Gear Solid, uh, so this was a good time to cover it. But before we dive into Metal Gear Solid, Billy, what have you been playing since our last show? <laughs> no big surprise here. Uh, I'm still mosing along on red dead 2 i finished the story though Uh, i finished that i am sitting pretty at about 95 percent done currently um and i guess when i played last week i I was still in the honeymoon phase and it could do no wrong i mean having played it i don't have huge complaints by it's it has its flaws and I, i think they're just Rockstar games, usual. I mean, if you didn't like the control scheme uh, in GTA V or Last Red Dead, or I guess every GTA since three, uh, it's not any better. Um, and and yeah, I did encounter a lot of the uh, the accidental button presses. Uh, you guys were talking about last week. My big one is uh, I think L1 draws and puts away your gun, and and I just had the hardest time getting it to respond to to draw my gun. So instead, I just kind of walked around in circles in many a gunfight, which was not very effective. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. And I guess I can't say it's 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 not the best game ever. I mean, clearly, um, in a world where Blink to the Past exists. Uh, but I, I still had to say it's probably the best written game ever. And that main character they give you, that Arthur, I, man, that's just one of my favorite characters, I think, in, in all the video games. I, I think they did an excellent job, uh, excellent job with the voice acting in this one. Um, but yeah, I've been playing that a lot. Also, I started playing uh, Fallout 76, which I don't know by the time this releases if that will still be the game of the week that everybody's shitting on, even you know whether or not they played it. Um, but I don't know. I've played it and I've enjoyed it. Uh, but I. <laughs> I don't know. They gave you a heads up. You knew what you were getting with this. Uh, it was very light on the story. Uh, it was a lot of exploration, which, I mean, that I'm sold. Uh, that's my main thing in Fallout is just going out on that map and just exploring. Uh, and just seeing what you find. I like finding, like, the little, whether it's little notes left around or uh, hopping on the terminals to see diary entries and whatnot and just kind of piecing story together as you go. I, I always thought that was a strength to, to fall out. Uh, so, so I really enjoy this one. Uh, I don't know. I, I, it's one of those where I have to stay away from what other people have to say about it. Because for some reason they have got 
the world of Fallout and Fallout video games, um, they've, they've got the wrong idea about them. It was never the most story-rich uh, series of games to begin with, uh, in my opinion. Uh, that's what I've been playing. Yeah, that's the only positive review of Fallout 76 I've heard, so well done on that. We're the only ones to have a positive review. Uh, actually, that's not that's not true, but I a lot of people don't care for it. I have not tried it, but to be fair, I also still have not tried Fallout 4, and I own it. So mm-hmm. I'll eventually get to it. That's one of the first games I bought for my PS4, and it is still wrapped. So I'll eventually, <laughs> I'll eventually try that. Uh, unfortunately, and this will shock everyone listening to this podcast, I did not play much in the last two weeks because it was Thanksgiving. I had family to deal with, and who am I kidding? I played a lot of Monster Hunter. I'm three achievements away from platinum in that game, but the three I have left are miserable. I have to basically fight monsters at uh, the, the same monster over and over again to hopefully get the largest possible version of that monster and the smallest possible version of that monster. It is the <laughs> dumbest achievement on Earth, but I'm going to do it. But I did finally finish Mega Man 11. I did plow through hey, that. Man. I've been at the Wily levels for a while. I never, I got to them and I was like, alright, I'll finish this up soon. And I just kept getting sidetracked by uh, Monster Hunter and, and Red Dead Redemption. So I, I finally was like, I'm just going to sit here and plow through it. And when I actually sat down to do it, I finished it in one try. Mm. The rest of that game. It is not... <clears throat> because you can buy those items from the Dr. Light shop, including buying... You know, you can start every level with nine one-ups and, and nine energy tanks and nine, you know, weapon tanks, I think. It's like you can you can make sure you're stacked and you can, with absolutely no finesse, plow through these levels, uh, which is exactly what I did. Uh, that said, they were still a lot of fun. I still think it's a great game. Uh, and, and I know that they, they, the goal is for you to play it without doing that, uh, but I certainly did, and it, that's the only way I was going to finish it, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. So now I can say I've beaten all 11 of the original Mega Man games. Hooray for mm. me. Uh, that is going to really mean a lot whenever I die. But uh, well, Jeremy, what have you been playing since the last episode? Uh, not too far from what what Billy's been playing. Actually, I've been playing a whole lot of Red Dead. Uh, I just kind of taking it slow, kind of getting in there every day and and doing a couple of missions and and stuff like that because it, it, every mission is just so. I mean, it's not different, but they do so much to make every single one of those missions stand out on their own. There's not just any of these throwaway missions or anything. Every single one of them has like a really nice kind of story to it, like almost like you're watching a, an episode of a good western tv show uh and and so that's kind of what i've been doing along with just exploring and doing the basic stuff Mm -hmm. but uh besides that i i have also played fallout 76 i'm going to reserve my judgment for that game far into the future because Mm -hmm. it is uh, it i i'm kind of like billy i enjoy exploring and stuff like that but it is kind of a mess right now it is just a mess of a video game uh as far as i i have run into several things that just ended my game cut me off tons of bugs uh well i mean that's that's that's, that's the charm though isn't yeah it, of, of getting a fallout at release yeah i guess so i mean it's at that that bethesda charm but it's kind of on a, a different level this time it's it's instead of being the the funny bugs that i'm used to with with those kind of games it's kind of the ones where i'm just like i have to stop playing this or i'm just going to get up and go outside and rake the yard or something like that because I'm so mad at it because I lost. It doesn't save enough. It doesn't auto save enough. Um, for being an online game, there's one time where I actually got disconnected and I lost like an hour and a half of, mm. of progress. And this is an online game where you can't actually save. So, I mean, it's almost like it's an early access game at this point. And I, 
we'll see how it goes. It certainly didn't endear itself to me. The fact that it went like half price, like a week after it's or two weeks after it's release. Uh, there's just things like that. That's just like, damn, <laughs> this is just, just, I mean, I enjoy the exploring like you and everything else, but, um, once you get into the technical side of things, it is, uh, oh, they really need to do a lot for that, but I'm going to wait and see what they do with that. Uh, I I can only imagine they're going to get off their asses and start repairing that game or or finishing that game uh, to where it needs to be. But actually, uh, one thing I kind of wanted to talk about, and I don't know if either of you have any interest in this, um, but I've been playing the Spyro Reignited trilogy. I don't know if either of you are a big Spyro fan or played it back in the day, but I was a pretty big Spyro fan for, for what it was back on the PlayStation. I did. I played through the first one. Uh, and some of the, I, I actually, when they first announced this, uh, this trilogy, I replayed through the first one. I'm a big fan of that one. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get around to it. It's just a matter of it just came out at an awful time. I mean, there's so much other shit out right now. Um, I could definitely see myself kind of settling down with that one. Once I, I, finally put this red dead behind me but fucking red dead online's coming soon uh but yeah um i'm definitely interested i've been looking at some of the the side-by-side comparisons and uh, it it floors me what they can do with these remakes of these games and i don't think i'm going to be interested in them until i I, the more i see and then they just draw me in every time and that's kind of what this is i mean it's it's very much just a a remake of of spyro Mm-hmm. Uh, not a remaster. I mean, this is, they have kind of done the whole Crash Bandicoot remake thing that they did a, a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. And it looks just so good. It looks amazing, uh, especially like comparing it uh, to the original Spyro and just the limitations. Even though back then the original Spyro looked amazing on the PlayStation, uh, there were very few people back in the day that would say that the, that the PlayStation could pull off a, a open world kind of platformer like Mario 64 was. Yeah. But then Spyro came along and it's pretty damn good. I mean, it's not going to, it's not up to Mario 64 status or anything, but damn, it was a, that was a really great 3d platformer, especially on the PlayStation. Have they, have they, have they tightened up the controls? Cause if there's anything that infuriated me uh, about the first, it was controls, especially on some of the sections where there was a, a good deal of speed, like having to, uh, some of those race sections where you're having to collect, uh, a certain amount of things or go through a certain amount of uh, rings uh, and a time limit. Uh, and I, I just could never get those because the controls always turned on me. It seems like there's, it, it definitely feels tighter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been a long time since I played the original Spyro, but it, yeah. even back then I, I could remember there was kind of almost like a, a like a heavy feeling to Spyro. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I'm not really getting that in this one. Like it, it right. just seems like he's much, he's much easier to, to point around and, and do what you need him to do. Um, but it, it still has that addictive quality to it. I mean, this is totally one of those collectathon um, platformers from, from back in the day, but Spyro is always one of those games that made it manageable. It wasn't like Banjo Tooie or anything like that, where it was just these huge stages and you had to collect like a thousand different things. Like Spyro, you have to collect things, but the levels themselves are are generally not very big. Yeah. So it, it was just always fun to just go around, and it, it it was a very dense 
level and it was just fun to go around it and find all this stuff and you could usually 100% a level in you know like 20 30 minutes it was just mm-hmm. a a fun game to sit down to and it still is so if anyone was ever a fan of of Spyro from back in the day I highly recommend that trilogy um especially since I never actually played the second or third games for some reason mm-hmm. but the the original Spyro is still as good as it was and I can only imagine that the the sequels are are still outstanding yeah, Spyro is a great series on PlayStation. So is the Crash Bandicoot series you mentioned. So you know those are not on the PlayStation <laughs> Classic that's coming out. But one game that is, Metal Gear Solid, which we're going to talk about right now. I mean, I was I was excited when talk of this one came around. I, I for some reason I didn't think we'd ever get around to this one, uh, and so much of the solid series is is kind of out of our timeline uh, as far as being able to be reviewed. And I, for one, would rather not deal um, some of the NES offerings any further. Um, but yeah, I, I just I have fond memories of this one, and this was one I didn't really get into. When it first released, uh, it would be uh, a few years later, kind of towards the end uh, of the PS1 that I finally I found this one cheap and I gave it a go and I was blown away. And uh, we'll talk about the, the uh, obviously the stealth mechanic of this is going to is going to come up uh, a number of times. But this is one really one of the first games where I kind of. I had to deal with that and the fact that I just wasn't accustomed to it and I like to just run in and shoot everything and for once that did not work for me. So that was that was my big thing when I first started playing this um, and love the series, have, have played through the series all together, replayed every game in the series, even loved that fifth one. Uh, maybe between that and Fallout 76, I like unfinished, broken games. I don't know. Um but yeah, I, I was really excited to sit down with this one. It's been several years and to see if it still holds up for me. Yeah, I actually remember when this was, uh, I, I first saw this in, in Game Fan Magazine and everyone's just kind of freaking out about it because it was one of those games that was trying to do a lot more than what 3D games were doing back in the day. This was looking to be a, a very cinematic game. It, you know, it had tons and tons of story and voice acting and it looked like it took itself very seriously mm-hmm. in a way that a lot of games didn't back then on, on the original PlayStation. Uh, it, it also looked amazing. Uh, and so it, it, as soon as I, I was able to pre-order that at my local Babbage's, uh, I, I ran <laughs> down there, ran down there and, and put my money down for it. And uh, man, that, that game was, it was something else when it came out. Like, to play that game for the first time back then, it's it's really hard to describe just how special that game was. So did you like the NES versions of the previous Metal Gears in the series? I know Billy said he didn't necessarily care for them. I actually, I cannot stand the NES version of Metal Gear. Like, there's, there's a lot of people out there that have, like, a lot of nostalgia for that game, but I didn't actually play it back then. I remember going 
to my cousin's house and he was playing it and I was just watching it and I was just like, what is this game? Like, this yeah. is just, a, I don't know. Like, you, you fell asleep. I, what is, uh, it was just one of those games as a kid. I think I was too young to maybe understand what was happening. Also, it didn't mm-hmm. help that finding out later on that it wasn't a very good port of the actual Metal Gear, the original Metal Gear game. Uh, I forget what PC it was actually on in Japan. Uh, but it just, it wasn't a great port of that game. So we were kind of mm-hmm. getting a watered down port of, of a, a, a decent game. And I, I don't know, it just, it didn't seem like it was a very good game to me. Yeah, the NES version of this was my my father's game. I uh, he he bought this one and I tried it. And I hated it. He loved the thing. He he played all the way through it. And I I kind of caught the whole game by watching him play through. Uh, and he called the fucking. This wasn't like Star Tropics. He was on the phone with the Nintendo Power Hotline uh, a few times for this one. Uh, but yeah, just watching it, I just knew this was not the kind of thing I was excited about. Uh, that I would like to play. It seemed like every time I left the room and came back, he was just in the same area. Um, and to go back years later and play through it, uh, when I was a bit older, I still don't have an appreciation, really. And like Jeremy said, uh, you know, we kind of got the the shit end of a, a port of a game that, that looks better. Um, I, I have never played that version of it, uh, but can't really say much good about the the NES version, nor Snake's Revenge. Uh, I have nothing good about that one either. And I love the original Metal Gear on Nintendo. It, it mm. is one that I... Uh, I mean, we... I, I must have spent days and days and days and days playing it with friends, and the idea of a game where, you know, you try to play run and gun. You think it's like Russian Attack or Contra or something, and you you know, you run into each screen, and you're going to die horribly. So the idea is, is to sneak and never be seen. And on Nintendo, that was not, uh, not a common gameplay mechanic. Uh, now, there are mm-hmm. definitely some major issues with the original Metal Gear. Uh, again, this was a, a bad port of the original, which I had never played until it was available again on the, I think it's the HD collection of, of uh, 2 and 3 also has the originals uh, mm. as bonus games. The original versions, not the NES versions. Uh, and then the second game in the series, we didn't actually even get uh, Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake. Uh, you know, we got Snake's Revenge, which is not the same game at all. It's not, uh, my understanding, it's not even by Kojima, who's like the, the mind behind the, the series. Uh, and it's it's not a good game. I actually owned Snake's Revenge since pretty much when it came out, and I didn't actually beat it until maybe four years ago. And that was with a walkthrough and uh, and with some crazy save states, because it's just not put together very well. Uh, the original Metal Gear also has a lot of parts that are very difficult, but but I still think it's a it's a fun game. Uh, mm-hmm. The things I liked about it, which carry over a lot to the game we're going to talk about here, are. Yes, sneaking is a big piece of it. You have a huge inventory. You have a, a bunch of different weapons that are all very different, and, and most of them are not run-and-gun style weapons. Um, I, I just I loved it for what it was, uh, but it's definitely not great. And this game takes all the ideas I think that were good about the NES Metal Gears and updated them. So this game came out in 1998, 10 years after the original Metal Gear, essentially, uh, on PlayStation. And... Like you guys said earlier, it was in all the magazines, everyone's freaking out. Uh, as soon as I heard there was a new Metal Gear and I saw pictures of it, it's the same style of, of game as Metal Gear. It's kind of a, a top-down view where you have smaller areas you're going in between each area. There, there are doors that you need to c- get between all these areas that have special codes on them, and you need a specific card key to go in and out of each room. Like, the door will have a 1 through a 7, so if you don't have the right card key, you can't get into those doors, so there's... 
you know, even a fair amount of backtracking, but somehow that doesn't bother me, knowing that I can come back to an area I was in earlier with a higher level key card to get, I don't know, some rations. But still, I get very excited about the idea of doing it. And the, the stealth piece that you, you know, is, is in this game compared to the originals is wonderful in this game. I mean, as far as, as the ability to try to stay hidden and the tools that it gives you to do so, uh, and, and even the, the ability to go up behind somebody and choke them out. I mean, I love this game. This game, when it first came out, was this is all I wanted to play. And I, I must have blown through it in, in a week. But I played through it a handful of times. Inexplicably, never tried any later games in the series. <laughs> I don't know why. I loved this game when it first came out, and, and I hadn't played it in years and years and years till we did it for, for the show this time. But, yeah, I never tried any of the others after this uh, until uh, un- until now. I own the collection for 2 and 3, but have not actually opened it. So maybe I wow. will. <laughs> there, there, there are a lot more ass shots as the series goes along. A lot more blatant ones. Well, there were some pretty blatant ones in this one, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was kind of surprising. Um, so before we, we get into more of it, I do want to stress, one, this is on the PlayStation Classic. If you've never played a Metal Gear, uh, I, I think this is definitely worth playing. And if you bought the PlayStation Classic, I can't imagine you're not going to play it. Um, even though it's, a, it's been out for a long time, I'd like to not completely ruin the story. Uh, the fun of the, the Metal Gear series seems to be that the story is kind of batshit insane. So it's better to not really dwell on story points. Uh, I would mm-hmm. just kind of like to focus on the mechanics of what does work and what maybe hasn't aged so well. And and then overall, you know, do we think this is really worth playing or not? Or should you just skip ahead to a later game in the series? To give you a background of the story, I'm just going to read out of the manual so that we can at least all be on the same page. No pun intended. Uh, so the nuclear weapons disposal facility on Shadow Moses Island in Alaska's Fox Archipelago is attacked and captured by next generation forces led by members of Fox Hound. The terrorists have secured hundreds of nuclear warheads, and they're demanding that the government turn over the remains of Big Boss, who was the end boss of the previous two Metal Gear games. They warn that if the demands are not met within 24 hours, they will launch a nuclear weapon. Solid Snake, who is you, is once again called back to duty in a top-secret mission to deal with the greatest terrorist threat the world has ever seen. I think there's way more that actually still holds up than than doesn't, which is kind of crazy for for an original PlayStation game. Uh, it's it's just one of those games that like getting back into it and, and just playing it again now for this podcast. It was just kind of like going home. You know, it felt just as good as it did back then. Obviously, the technology isn't isn't as impressive as it was back then. Yeah, but it's still uh, there's just I, I don't know. It, it just feels really good to play. In a way that a lot of those those PlayStation 3D games just don't hold up to these days, which was kind of surprising because I almost I, it's been a long time since I played this game, and going back into it, I, I was actually kind of expecting the worst because that's what you do when you go back to an original PlayStation game. You're just like, oh man, this isn't going to age well, uh, but it, it's still it's still really great, and the stealth mechanics still hold up. Uh, you know, the voice acting, the story, everything is just as crazy as it was back then. I, I still it's just a ton of stuff that's just so good that I, I I can't imagine not playing this game for the first one and, and not skipping for or, or wanting to skip forward. Yeah. And I uh, I also 
uh, this this podcast has taught me to have to get the jitters when we're doing an early PlayStation game. Uh, going back to the PS One has has been ugly for the most part. Uh, but yeah, like Jeremy said, you just kind of slide right back into this game, just like you. I, to me, it just felt like uh, it's one of those games you just pick back up, and it's like you just sat it down, you know, the day before. Uh, and I don't know if that's because the kind of the feel and the controls and a lot of the mechanics have remained uh, the same or at least similar throughout the series. Uh, and I've, I've I've toyed around with five uh, up till not too long ago. So I, I think maybe that's why it was a little easier to jump into it. Um, but yeah, the first thing I noticed was the, the stealth system, which which plagued me uh, in my, my younger days, uh, which I, you know, finally at this point in time, stealth became... Kind of, kind of the end thing in a lot of games, because of this, uh, and so I'm kind of used to that now. I'm used to the the aspect of taking your time and, and picking off one enemy at a time and not getting yourself into a a gunfight that you nine times out of ten probably can't win. Um, but I, I did notice, and and my one, because I got to dig up some kind of complaints on this. The stealth system I thought was a little easy because the enemies are just fucking dumb as rocks in this game uh, it's, it's like they can't see but just maybe a couple feet in front of them and if they are they're startled even if they spot you it looks like if you can hide out for a little bit they they are fine give them about 10 20 seconds and they are just content just uh kind of pacing back and forth there they're lying again um I mean, which is fine because i mean otherwise you're dealing with you blow it once and it's kind of game over um but yeah, I, I just thought that the stealth wasn't quite as... Uh, they finally fine-tuned a little bit later on in the series. I, But yeah, that was the one thing. Uh, it's just not as difficult as I recall it being. I, I think that's mostly just because of, of like what you said, that this was a very, very early stealth game. And it wasn't... Yeah. Yeah. You know, that whole genre of games back then was not was not as prevalent as it is today. Yeah. I mean, really, I can't quite remember when, um, obviously, Splinter Cell came later. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Metal Gear was was kind of a, a throwback to a thing that hadn't really been done much since the original NES Metal Gear. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sure there's probably some stuff here and there that had you sneak along, but Metal Gear uh, on the PlayStation was very much just like an introduction for most of us to the stealth genre. Yeah. And... Wanting, you know, at, at, when I started playing, yes, I just wanted to shoot everyone, but you yeah. can't do that. Well, I mean, but, you got to look at the 16-bit era where it was fucking the the point was how fast can you push a game? Uh, Sega built their whole system around look how fast this this blue thing can go. Um, so it was it was it's jarring to just kind of if you've never played one of these to kind of have to slow down. Well, it's not even that you need to pick off your enemies one at a time. It's mm-hmm. there's a lot of fights you can just not go avoid to. There's, yeah, yeah there's no reason to do them and and uh so when you walk around in this game it's that all top down view now this is the first metal gear where you can push i think it's the r1 button or r2 button but you switch to a first person view but just to look around it's not like you can move or anything it's just a, it like it switches down to, to snake's eyes so you can look around the screen um i found that to be really helpful but also you know i i wanted to to be able to move more in that in that uh in that view, and there was only when you're like in a tunnel do you get that view. Otherwise, you kind of have to keep going back and forth and, and making sure you look around the room uh, to to try to avoid you know, cameras or guys that might not be in your field of vision or if you don't have an active radar. Um, you also mm-hmm. have a radar in the top right corner, 
that will show you not only what your field of vision is, but the field of vision of all the sentries that walk around, all the enemies you have to avoid or or fight. Um, and so, yeah, what, like you were saying, it almost seems like they can't see anything. If it's outside of that cone that it shows, they pretty much can't see you. So you can walk, you know, pretty much right outside of it, and they won't say anything. Now, what they will do is, uh, and this is in the first area, pretty much, when you come out into the snow, if you walk into the snow and leave footprints you know, immediately the guard will be like, hey, whose footprints are these? And they'll follow the footprints around to try to find you. And eventually, Mm -hmm. if you don't get away or get out of the snow somewhere, um, then they will find wherever you've gone and hid to. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of stuff that, again, it doesn't seem that impressive now. But at the time, and even playing through this, I was like, "This, you know, this is a lot better than I thought it was going to be again. I thought I was going to come to this and be like, man, this is ridiculous. But it's still, that that part still holds up really well. The, The enemies are dumb in that they don't, they have a path and they follow it. And if you are outside of their field of vision, they weren't going to, you know, take the extra to, you know, step to see anything unless you're loudly shooting a handgun, then they'll run at you. But the the, the fact they follow the footprints, the fact that if you kill, if you, you know, kill one of the bad guys and leave their body where another person's path is going to take them in the way, they'll immediately sound the alarm. And when they in this game and it, like all Metal Gears, once you've been spotted and the alarm has been sounded, the screen fills with guys that come out of doors and everywhere else, and, and basically you can either try to kill everything or find a way to hide uh, or just exit the room and, and keep running till eventually you're, you'll get far enough away that they'll you know, lose interest in trying to find you and, and you know, it slowly counts down back to where you know, the threat level is low and your radar comes back up and you have a chance to sneak around again. Um, but despite, there, there are definitely some places in this game where if you do sound the alarm, if you make a mistake, you're pretty much just going to die and go back to the last checkpoint. Thankfully, mm-hmm. there's tons of checkpoints in this game. And I will say that this is like one of the first games that once I kind of figured out what the whole stealth aspect of it was, it, it triggered my OCD to the point where I, every single area I, I wanted to get through without like anyone finding me or even firing my gun. Mm. Like every single one of these areas are, you know, it's, it's not a linear game at all. Like it gives you multiple ways through these stages that you can kind of just experiment with. Um, I, I'm sure there's this, an absolute perfect way to get through each, each section, but the amount of different ways that it gives you and kind of going along with how dumb the AI is. I mean, you have multiple ways to make it through these areas and not be spotted at all. Mm-hmm. And it like, to me, even back then, I was like, this kind of seems seems like how Solid Snake would want to get through this. You know, he's not, he doesn't, you don't really have much. You just kind of have this little pistol at the beginning of the game. Uh, and and I, I believe, you, you know, you've got your other um, thing that can put him to sleep. Um, but that's about it. And so it, it really, the game is pushing you to, to this kind of nonviolent, stealthy approach. Mm-hmm. And that's really how I wanted to make it through, uh, especially early in the game. Yeah, I mean, I think all the games have are, you know, aside from from the boss fights, I think you're able to get through them. I know some of the later games actually have uh, uh, rewards for uh, and getting through without being detected at all throughout the course of the game. Something I could not ever dream to accomplish. Uh, but yeah, it, it is interesting that there's a game, uh, especially like this, especially where you're, you're handling guns, where you are encountering these armed enemies that is kind of pushing you in the direction of, uh, they say it's, it's a stealth slash action game, but they're certainly leaning in the stealth direction. They're wanting you to try to circumvent uh, any gunfights and whatnot. Well, in the gunfights themselves, the mechanics for shooting in this game are 
very difficult to, to yes. really if, if it's you have more than one enemy or more than a boss that's kind of designed to, to you know obviously work in the mechanics they give you but in order to fire you have to hold down you have to have a gun equipped first off uh, and mm-hmm. then you have to hold down the square button it will kind of put up a tracer and then you can point at what you want to fire and then when you let go it fires the gun uh, if you're trying to take out a lot of people even with a machine gun uh, or grenades or whatever I mean you you have to be so precise and they're firing you the whole time which it doesn't take much to take you down. Um, and it, it's not the kind of game, if you try to come at it like a straight action game, you're going to get far. It's just not going to yeah. happen. So the, the, the game kind of not only wants you to be stealthy, but it kind of penalizes you just in how it plays if you're going to try mm-hmm. to play it like full-blown Rambo. It's just not going to happen. Jeremy, you said that it's not a linear game. I mean, it, it's not linear in that it's not a series of hallways. Uh, you, you can explore each section, but there's always checkpoints that stop you from going to the next section. And, you know, most of the time that checkpoint bottles you through a forced boss fight. But, but yes, there's definitely a lot of exploration you can do on your way to those specific checkpoints. Uh, and the bosses in this game are all different. Uh, I, I like that. There's not, I don't feel like I'm fighting the same thing over and over again, even if it's just like, oh, this guy has more guns. Like, no, they're actually pretty much very different fights, some of which have several ways to get through. Uh, and, and are pretty inventive even now, even though I know what the bosses are and I've played it before. But, you know, uh, Psycho Mantis, for one example, is still like a really cool boss design mm-hmm. uh, and a really cool mechanic that, I, you know, I haven't seen any other games really try to do something that really breaks the system like that does. I guess I would like to discuss the bosses, even though I, I'm not trying to ruin the story, but the actual mechanics for the bosses um, are, are pretty neat. So the first, the first boss you get is kind of your introduction to how you're going to have to to deal with this game's aiming system, uh, but also, you know, how to how to read what the enemy's doing and find out how to deal with it when you fight Revolver Ocelot uh, mm-hmm. early on in the game. Uh, he's in a room where he's got someone you're trying to save captured in the middle of the room with these wires all around him, so you can't go near the person in the middle, or you'll cause the bombs around him to explode. And he, you and him, basically take turns. You know, firing at each other as you run around in circles. Uh, he's got a very, very powerful gun, but it's only obviously it's a revolver, so it has six bullets. Um, and you have to try to time your fight, your, your shots to hit him when he's reloading, and you know, kind of sitting still or not paying as much attention to the fight. Uh, that's a really good introduction to the kind of boss fights this game has. They're not fast. There's not a lot of cheap ways to blow them away real quick. You just got to mm-hmm. know what the mechanics are. And, and it might take a little bit of time, but they all feel really good. And, I, you know, I, I do. I, this is kind of one of the first games that, uh, especially for Metal Gear, the Metal Gear series, where every single boss fight is its own thing. You know, these these are characters in this story. And it's not just these random things you come up against. Yeah. They all have their own unique attacks and, and how they act and everything like that. And I, this is one of the few things I think that the original game maybe doesn't hold up as well as what I remember, because several of these boss fights do rely on you using those weapons and things like that. Actually, the only boss fight that I think in this whole game that still holds up, I may be wrong, but Sniper Wolf is still <laughs> really great. Yes, I, I was. If you if that was not your answer, I was going to chime in with that one. That yeah, that fight was a, and I completely forgot about it when I played through this time. And but as soon as I saw Sniper Wolf, uh, I was was overjoyed because yeah, this was one of the big. This may have been what turned me towards this game the first time I played through is when I when I played this fight, um, and I, I believe. There's nothing else like this. You've never been in a kind of a sniper duel like this in in a game that that I've played before this one. 
but yeah, it's just such a unique fight. And, you know, as the series went on, they just kept getting more and more over the top uh, with, with the bosses and with the, the cinematics revolving around the boss fights uh, and the personalities of the bosses. But yeah, I think this was, uh, this is probably the, the shining example of, of boss fights as far as, as far as this first one goes. Well, that's good. I mean, the, the tank fight afterwards is is more of a a lesson in how to avoid getting hit, uh, more mm-hmm. than a skill to, to beat it. You just kind of have to make sure you're you're not. Uh, you have to dodge not only that the the shots and the uh, the actual cannon that's on the front of the tank, but there's mines everywhere, and you just got to be careful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can get through that one. But then after that, you get to fight. And again, without ruining parts of the story, there's a like a robot ninja, right? Let's call him that. I know that's not technically right, but Everyone will know who I mean if you've played the game. And that fight's great because it doesn't really tell you what to do to hurt him until eventually you realize, oh, I've got to just fist fight this guy. And then it becomes a doable fight. But otherwise, like I was using, um, you have those grenades that affect uh, mechanical and electronic fields. And I would mm-hmm. use it on him. He would freeze for a minute. So I'd, I'd get to shoot him once, but it took off like a tiny fraction of his health bar. And, I, uh, you know, there's no other place to get more of these grenades, so once you use them all up, that that can't be the solution. And I sat there for a while and, and just had to try to remember, like, how did I beat this guy? What did I do? And he kind of taunts you and gives you hints that you need to, to try to do something other than, than use a gun on him. So eventually when I was just kind of got frustrated and just went over and punched him, and that worked, I was like, oh, I see. And again, there's all these bosses have phases generally. Um, they're, they're not just do the same thing over and over again and, and you'll finish it. A lot of the time they change their style as the fight progresses. His fight definitely does. He has several different phases in his fight. Um, my favorite, I mean, Sniper Wolf's good because it's a sniper battle, essentially, which is a really cool mechanic and a really cool idea. And, and you've got to do, that's the first part in the game when you get to Sniper Wolf where you have to find a sniper rifle that you do a major amount of backtracking. That's the only part of the game where where you have to, there's no choice. You've got to do a ton of backtracking right there to find that gun. And once you know where to go, it's not hard to get there and back. But if you didn't take good notes and you weren't really keeping track of what doors were locked earlier based on key card, it might have taken you a while to find that sniper gun, and there's no other way through that fight. I was just going to say, like, you know, you were, you were kind of talking about earlier when the game kind of, it, the only reason I don't like the boss fights is because, like, it kind of, you don't. It, it tells you you shouldn't be Rambo throughout the rest of that game, or throughout most of those games. But then a lot of times you get to these boss fights, and it's like, okay, here, be Rambo now. And uh, I, I think really about the only reason that that Sniper Wolf holds up is because it's a more methodical fight. Mm-hmm. It's not just you running around with a rocket launcher that you suddenly found, or you know, you're, you're having to just fight, shoot at revol- revolver os- ocelot over and over again. So I mean that's kind of the reason I I just I've never been a huge fan of of I, I don't know maybe the first MGS bosses I think MGS three had some incredible bosses oh um, but and, and that really fit into the story more like Sniper Wolf did but the rest of those bosses in in this first game uh, I I've just I've never been a big fan of them. Well, I mentioned Psychomantis. I I do have a question. Have you have either of you beaten Psychomantis without doing the second controller trick? I can you? Yes. Is, is that is it, apparently it can be done. I have never done it. It has to be a lengthier it. fight because uh, I yes. know uh, he'll. It seems like every twentieth punch you throw might land. Um, wow. 
Yeah, uh, I didn't know you could actually. Yeah, that that's that was a gimmick that when even when it was new, I was blown away with it. Also, I love that um, you know Psychomantis is his abilities. He can read your mind, so therefore your regular attacks he dodges. So the only mm-hmm. way to trick him is to use the second player controller because he can't read that. That's genius. Mm-hmm. But when you played this the first time, uh, I I had the uh, Symphony of the Night on my memory card. So when you get to him, he starts reading your mind and doing some goofy tricks. And then at one point he goes, oh, I see you like Symphony of the Night a lot. And he like reads off some things on the memory card. I thought that was super cool, but I wonder what they're going to do on the PlayStation Classic for any of that. Are they just going to cut it all, I guess? I don't know. They'll probably cut all the fucking corners they can. That seems to be the, <laughs> the thing. I, I'm like you. I, that I actually had Symphony of the Night on my memory card. And when he read that stuff off and you know even made the the controller rumble and things like that that was so mind blowing it was absolutely mind blowing when he did that and and then the revelation of like you need to plug in the controller into port 2 because he can he can read your mind if you're in port 1 uh, it was just the most mind blowing thing and it was like one of the like the very first thing is like I, that i remember as far as like this is a kojima game only kojima would be weird enough to to make a game where you have to plug in the, the controller into port two because he's reading your mind. It was just such an insane thing from the time. Well, it's, uh, even now I was pretty impressed with that as a, as a mechanic, just the idea that that would be, you know, acceptable. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Let's plug in a controller spot too. And all of a sudden it makes a lot of sense. You know, he starts saying things like, I can't read what you're doing as you get to attack him. That's pretty great. I also really liked the second Vulcan Raven fight where you're in the cooler. You're like in the fridge and trying to basically it's, it's, a series of boxes and and you have to run around while he chases you and find ways to hurt him while not standing still because if you stand still for a moment he's going to catch up to you and start shooting you i like that fight because that was less of a rambo like running around and you know lobbing grenades and stuff at him you had to actually think ahead like how can i mislead him into following me down these hallways yeah that one was really good i mean that one was just kind of i played in more with like the stealth approach that i wish a lot of these these boss fights kind of went to i mean i know there's a lot of people out there that that think that you know the boss fights and mgs and and all the sequels are the highlight of those games but actually i i've always just kind of not enjoyed them because usually they're just i don't know they're not really fun to me they're not really how i play the game but yes that was one of those particular uh parts of a boss fight that i was like yes this is exactly what i want this game to be so mechanically, I guess things that we've all decided work really well still. I mean, the idea of, of a stealth-based game, sure, some of the ones in the series apparently do it better, and, and I'm sure there's some other games that do it better. But still, especially when you think back to 1998, this was a, a solid mechanic that I think still holds up pretty well. Um, again, the boss fights, whether or not you you think they're as good as some of the later fights or, or just didn't care for them because you like the stealth more, I still think the boss fights are are definitely playable. I enjoyed them all. I do like that they're all different, and, and the story for all of them is, is involved. It has a lot of good cinematics. Um, I guess, what things specifically do you think didn't hold up too well? For me, it, it was the idea that I had to switch to first person. I couldn't stay in it. And also, I really wanted the right stick uh, of the dual stick controller to move the camera, and it drove me crazy that it didn't. Uh, you know, I, for me, I guess it would have to be later in in the game, kind of the last uh, quarter of the game, really, where it sends you on this huge backtracking mission to make these keys, uh, in quotations, that you have to use or whatever the hell they are that to, to continue with the game that ultimately never mattered. Uh, but still, it was it, it was a whole lot of running back and forth to that areas you've been before. 
so that you could make the keys work and, and things like that. That was probably the thing to me that was that just didn't hold up because it was really back in an era that it seemed like to, to make the game longer, it wanted you to backtrack all that. That was like their one thing that they had. It was like, well, let's make them go backtrack a bunch and we'll, we'll extend the game. Because mm-hmm. the game actually, if you just play it through, isn't very long. It's not the longest game ever. Uh, so them adding that in there and, and, you know, just now these days without having any patience as a grumpy old adult, I was like, oh, God, I got to do, go do all this stuff. But that was the one thing that really stuck out at me. It was just like, I just... Uh, I don't really I, this isn't very fun yeah and and same thing uh, the backtracking I, I every game that has it I, I complain about it and it's no different for this one it's i mean it's i usually i it feels like you know what it usually is a manner of kind of stretching the game out and i if i'm not mistaken i think the enemies respawn pretty much every single time um yes, backtrack they do. somewhere uh, a throwback to the nes game uh, which is annoying. Uh, it, it would be absolutely nothing if you, you know, if you cleaned out an area and you know, and you knew, okay, I have to go back here. Uh, you know, I can pretty much just up and, and run there. I mean, that would have been a nice concession to the backtracking. Instead, no, um, you're still having to sneak around uh, by these re mysteriously repopulated areas. Uh, and yeah, that would have to be my my biggest complaint uh, about it. I also the camera. I just I didn't care for for the most part. I found that sometimes it kind of zoomed in on Snake a little too much, and you uh, it was kind of hard to see around you. And some it didn't happen often, but just in some spots, uh, and it was it was bothersome when there were enemies around and your field of view was 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 more limited than usual. Um, otherwise, I mean, uh, a lot of times in these older games, you shit on the the voice work, but that was excellent. This was, uh, it's it's over the top. It's meant to be over the top, and there are a lot of just dumb lines of dialogue in this. Um, but somehow it all works. Uh, I thought the game still still looks good uh, or, or good enough. Uh, it's 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 not ugly by any means. It's not an eyesore like a lot of early PS One games. So yeah, I mean my my main con- complaints would be uh the backtracking and just some some occasional trouble with the camera well the backtracking i didn't mind as much because again i like going back and and exploring Mm. once i can get the card keys but what i found especially in the the card keys section you mentioned where you're forced to go back Mm. just in the narrative there were really good chances to have things occur in those those paths back and sure I didn't want those things because I wanted to finish the game but instead just going through the same things you already dealt with where nothing is different felt even worse like Mm. I'd much rather would have had you know for at one point just to go back through one of the boss rooms and have some other follow-up encounter or or some different thing Mm. but no Mm -hmm. it was the same it was the same not the same boss but the room was there you could see where the boss you know you fought the boss for you you keep on moving like there's a lot of chances in that specific incidence where you have to go back that they could have probably done a little more, but you know, that's, that's nitpicking. Um, I guess one of the other things I really liked and I'd forgotten this, uh, since, uh, you know, in the earlier games, it was really just kind of to, to give you some hints and, and to move the little bit of story along, but the transceiver, uh, when you hit select, you get to bring up your radio and you can talk to, you know, the, 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 your commander and you can talk to several other people you meet in the game, but there are parts of the game that you, have to use that transceiver to get through things. And I love that. 
Like again, mm. that's another where it's like it's almost a puzzle. It's not it's not an action result, you know, action um, path to get out of a problem. You have to actually think ahead and go, wait a minute. I know people that can help me in these areas or know a lot about X Y Z. I'm going to talk to them on my my radio real quick instead of just trying to you know shoot rockets at a window and hope it it gets me out of this situation. So I really mm. really liked that. I, I liked the 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 whole way that they that the game uses the the boss characters. And things like the transceiver um, to take the ideas from the early Metal Gears. For example, in the first Metal Gear, you just find those key cards in rooms. Like you'll you'll eventually open a door in that has a key card one level doorway, and you'll get key card level two. And then you open up a key card two way down the road, and you get key card number three. In this game, they they take that same idea, but instead of just opening a door and finding the key card, it's like you find someone you're supposed to save, or you find a, a, a prisoner, or you find someone that's supposed to be helping you, and it turns out they might not be, and, and all these things will get you these key cards, which then, you know, organically makes a lot more sense for how you'd be sneaking through this base and getting this axe, as opposed to just like, yeah, yeah, they leave the keys in these other rooms, why wouldn't you? Mm. There, there was a lot about this game that that really took the ideas of the games I loved earlier, and, and made them to where they made a lot more sense, and held up really well. So uh, in finishing this this time, I definitely think that this is well worth playing again. It's actually got me interested in, in opening this copy of uh, of Metal Gear 2 and 3, and perhaps I'll continue on some of the others. Um, I, I'm, I don't know why I didn't get into the later ones, because again, I, I really liked this game, and I think I still really like this game. But for some reason, and I don't know if it was because... Uh, I, I didn't get a lot of positive notes on, on the second one when it came out from people, but I just mm-hmm. never dug into it. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's, it's definitely a game worth going back to, uh, whether it's on the, the PlayStation Classic, God forbid, or if you can dig up an old PS1 copy, I believe. I don't know if it's still available to pick up on the PS3 in the, in, in the store, um, the PlayStation Store. Uh, it may be. Uh, that's where I through mine um but yeah it, it, it's worth continuing on from there I, I absolutely love the series and and two yeah you when you play through I, you can kind of see what some of the early complaints were about that one and that one's still probably probably my least favorite but i think you really get the 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 highlight of the series uh, between three and four um, I, I think most people swear by three. Uh, I, I love three and four, and I even like this last one. Uh, the last one is a little, little stranger in the way it presents itself, and and you can kind of tell that the that it didn't get saw through all the way. The plug kind of got pulled partway through. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's an amazing series, and I mean this is a. a it's the first one in the solid series. It's a, a great place to to get started. And when you get done with this one, you'll have a pretty good idea. Because if you didn't have a good time with this one, uh, you might not want to continue on. Because uh, it just gets a little more complex as time goes on. And and I think uh, you have to play through this just you know for the story. I think this is one of those where it's hard to skip uh, an entry in the series and and still know what's going on. But then again, I've played all five games and I watched a bunch of YouTube videos to try to tell me what was going on also. So, I mean, take your chances with this one. Uh, if you played it before and you liked it, give it a shot again. It's worth replaying for sure. I think that's, you know, talking about the story and the narrative. It's, it's hard to 
gloss over just how special this game was back when it first came out mm-hmm. because not too many games, if any, were going as as hard as the original Metal Gear Solid was as telling a story in a cinematic way. Yeah. You know, we kind of had Final Fantasy VII and stuff like that, but Metal Gear Solid really, really tried to to be the kind of games that we play today and what we expect. Mm-hmm. And that kind of thing back then was almost unheard of. And, and seeing a game presented that well and having the voice acting that it did and having a story that was told out in this way, it, it was absolutely an insane story, but it was still just amazing to see mm-hmm. You know how it was told, and and it was one of the things that pushed you through that game yeah. was was just wanting to see how things went because the characters are so great. The bosses, even though I'm not a big fan of fighting the bosses, I I loved the characters. I love Psycho Manus. I you know Vulcan Raven. Those are characters I still remember, and they're they're still just these these ama- amazing uh, things that have been written into this game. They all have their own unique stories, and that was unheard of back then, basically, unless you were playing an RPG. So this was, I mean, it, it was a very special game for me as, as something that I remember and I will always remember mm-hmm. because it was just a one of its kind back then. And it was almost generations of, of consoles until, well, I mean, kind of really until Metal Gear Solid 2 was released that you kind of got a better version of what they were trying to do. And yeah. a lot of games played catch up to that for years and years and years. And I love Kojima to death. I, you know... I, I want to see what he does with Death Stranding, but man, it's one of those things I just want to see. And I want, I want a new Metal Gear. I, I really just want a new Metal Oof. Gear. Well, you know, this, it's on such a fucking sour note right now with that damn. Uh, the, the, what was it? The the Survive? Is it Metal Gear Survive? Yeah. Uh, which yeah. they took the the. Yeah. Oh, you talk about a fucking. I guess since I like this fucking going back to Fallout 76, I mean, you take a normally, you know, kind of a single player thing and, and make a, a bizarre, you know, fucking multiplayer thing out of it. I, I just, I tried a little bit of it. Uh, I, oh, no, no. It's it's a shame, really. And I don't see Metal Gear really getting revived at all. Um, if it did, I mean, you'd have to have the, you'd have to have Kojima back for it or it's going to be just, you know, a shell of its former self. Um, but uh, for all intents and purposes, I hate to say, I think that ser- this series may be done, at least uh, the good ones. Well, and I do want to say, there's often times where we talk about games, like, oh, yeah, that's still great, you should still play it, but you can never tell if it's just still nostalgia or is it really a good game. I think this time I can firmly say this is actually a good game that is worth playing mm-hmm. again because I tried playing the original Metal Gear again after playing this just to you know be like oh man i love this game and i started playing again and uh despite that i still hold it at a very high standard it is not fun and it's, <laughs> it's not a game i recommend to most people uh at all it is not uh it is no it, it again especially after playing this all the great ideas it had were done so much better in this when you go back and play the original uh, or at mm-hmm. least the, the version of the original I, that we could play anyway. Uh, it yeah. is not uh, not the same experience, and it is, it is not something I highly recommend to people. Again, if you love <laughs> Metal Gear, it's uh, it's worth playing it to see the you know the, where the ideas came from, but uh, not nearly as fun as this. <laughs>
that's our thoughts on Metal Gear Solid. So if you did pick up or are going to pick up a PlayStation Classic, even if half those games are turds and you really don't care about Final Fantasy VII, at least there's one game on there we can all stand behind uh, to, right. to, to go ahead and play it. Although I am interested in what they're going to do with some of the things like Psycho Manus. Uh, also, I wonder what they're going to do about disc swapping games. I totally forgot about disc swapping. Uh, but there it is. Um, we have a listener question, and that same listener also recommended a game to us. So, uh, Jeremy, do you have that question? I do. This uh, this question comes in from Logan Hebert. Uh, this question did not come into, uh, as far as I know, the the most hyped contact form <laughs> on the internet. Uh, the you know uh, our retrovania.net contact form. Please, uh, any questions or whatever, just scroll down to retrovania.net. There is a contact form there. Send us a question. If you're not insane, we will message it. We will uh, we will answer it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this time it comes through on our Facebook uh, page. Oh, and uh, I know, right? Uh, but this time, uh, Logan says, hey, guys, I'm a really big fan of the podcast. I haven't been listening for too long, but I've listened to all of your episodes. I'm sorry. Makes work go by <laughs> makes work go by fast. And I love your banner and opinions. Two things. Keep up the great work. And I have a question. Kind of a two part. What would be your individual single most favorite soundtrack in gaming? As well as have any of you guys listened to any good video game cover bands such as the such as the Descendants of Edric or the one ups. Thanks, guys. Big ups, Logan. I um. Uh, oh man, as far as cover bands, uh, I. Uh, it's not a matter of I have uh, several that I I listen to the entire discography of. I mean, I have a, a song here or there. Uh, one I always do come back to is as a band Power Glove, and and they have a number. Uh, just, just excellent covers. Um, I, I first started listening to them when my my son stumbled upon their cover, the Pokemon theme, and proceeded to listen to it nonstop during a, uh, a hour and a half car ride. Um, despite that, I still sought them out when I got home, uh, looked them up, and they they do a wide range uh, from from video games to to cartoons, anime. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite and one of the only ones I can really remember by name. Um, otherwise it's just a song here or there, but I, I do love uh, a video game cover. Um, as far as soundtracks, it's, it's so hard. Uh, I, I try to narrow it down to two and I can't even do that. Um, I can say on the, the super Nintendo, uh, it's, it's a really close one between donkey Kong country and, and super Mario RPG. Um, and and on the Genesis, uh, it's that that goddamn Streets of Rage two soundtrack has long been a favorite of mine. Uh, one I enjoy and one I I'd lose and re-download every now and then, uh, but definitely not a great one is that that Zombies Ate My Neighbors soundtrack. And I always uh, have to tell Jeremy that I have re-downloaded it again, and we'll discuss it briefly, and then forget about it for another several years. <laughs> my my favorite video game soundtrack of all time, and I don't know if I could even pick a specific track on it, but Castlevania Two, hands down, is is one. I mean, even though the game is is arguably fun, I mean, I still enjoy it. But just turning it on, and listening to the music everywhere in the game is incredible. Uh, specifically, though, if I had to pick one track from it, on the way to the last fight, there's you go through like a a small room in, in Dracula's castle and it plays like this staircase theme and it's absolutely amazing. And I could listen to that track just on repeat and just sit here. And I'm probably going to use it as the outro for the episode, despite that it has nothing to do with metal gear. Uh, I love 
the Castlevania 2 soundtrack. Uh, as far as, as cover bands, I mean, I, there's a lot of video game bands out there, uh, but as I am a person who plays in bands in the Baltimore area, uh, the two that I know the most that are uh, friends of mine that play in them, and, and they're actually quite good, they play like BitGen and some of the other gaming fests, uh, Rare Candy and Random Battles, both of which excellent bands uh, from the Baltimore mm. area but do do video game covers and again all these guys try to, to do games that other people don't do but uh, Random Battles last EP had one of the songs from Kadash and I'm pretty sure no one else has ever done that so I was very excited <laughs> about that I, I, I'm not really big on, on the whole um, cover bands or anything like that I don't really actually follow any of that but you know I, I do enjoy that stuff uh, it's just I don't really seek it out but as far as like favorite band or favorite soundtracks uh i you know i'd kind of have to put it out there for symphony of the night as far as something that i would still listen to to this day mm. if if you gave it to me i would still be just as, as excited to listen to just about every single piece of music in that game mm-hmm. uh was was just always so great uh going back further i think the original act razor for the super nes had an amazing soundtrack for something that was released very early in the in the Super NES's lifespan of it, uh, I, I think those are the two that are kind of the most rem- memorable to me. Obviously, Zombies Ate My Neighbors. I, <laughs> I, I still there are times where I wake up in the middle of the night and there is like that stage one music from Zombies Ate My Neighbors playing yes. in my brain for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't played that game in years, but still that that fucking music is in my brain, and it's just one of those things that it's apparently just embedded itself. It's into my brain. It's it's never going away. So that, that was, uh, I, I, yeah, I probably those three are the most memorable to me. Uh, but by far, I think Symphony of the Night is still by far my my favorite all time video game soundtrack. Well, and you know, my second, my runner up to Castlevania Two, which is actually a crossover, sort of, is the Goonies Two soundtrack for the NES because it's a cover of Cindy Lauper songs. So I, you can't argue with that an eight bit cover. <laughs> Of Cindy Lauper songs. If I could be in a band that covered eight-bit versions of Cindy Lauper songs, I probably would break some some unknown rule and rip the time dimension apart. You know what other go. game really just kind of sticks into my head randomly? The fucking Tiger Electronics card off noises. Like it's not <laughs> like they go. had. It's not like they had like any music really, but just the noises of, of those Tiger Electronics games. I, I don't know what it is. It's just that shit is. In, oh God. The simpler the the. The uh, the game system, if they can get a, a tune that you can remember, it's going to drill into your brain. I guess. I, I apparently played that game for way too many hours. So thank you, Logan, for your question, even though you didn't use our most incredible mailing system uh, available on Retrovania.net. But you did recommend several games to us, and so we've decided to pick one of them to, for our next episode, Dynamite Heady for the Genesis. Uh, he mm. recommended a couple different treasure games, uh, and this is one that I actually have never played, but I do love treasure, so I am very excited to try that one out. Uh, but until next time, please find us again on Retrovania.net, where we house the most incredible mailing form ever, but also has links to our Facebook page and our YouTube channel that has videos on it, and of course this podcast. So yeah, please follow us everywhere as Retrovania.net. We also have an Instagram page. Uh, uh, and of course, our mailing form. So please send us a question or a game review or anything else. You could do whatever you like with that mailing form, but make sure to take the time to think about what you'll send <laughs> over the next two weeks till we see you next time.